Hi, and welcome to the ARC Audio Book Club. This month, we're reading How Should a Person Be? by Canadian author Sheila Hetty. The main character, Sheila, spends most of the novel not writing a play she has spent the past three years not finishing. Instead, she's gotten married, has made a best friend, and has separated from her husband. The action, such as it is, takes place in the wake of these events and consists mainly of her worrying about the state of her image and soul. Throughout, Sheila repeatedly asks the titular question, but never does any work to try to clarify or answer it. She doesn't really do much of anything, other than hang out with her best friend, Margot, and occasionally gives blowjobs to a man named Israel. The book divided reviewers, some claiming Hetty may well have identified a central dialectic of 21st century postmodern being, others commenting, I don't often find myself actually rolling my eyes at a book. Here to figure out what's what are Giovanna Alessandro. Hello. Macon Holt. Hi. Eba Wester. Hi. And I'm Sarah Armini. So, <laughs> how should a person be? I'm none the wiser for having read this. Is anyone? That's not really a self-help book. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, that's my mistake. But I like the question. Mm. I thought it was really relatable what she goes around asking herself, how should a person be? And I really liked in the beginning how she says something about like, irresponsibility looks so good on Misha and irresponsibility looks so good mm. on Margot, what would look good on me? Mm. And then she tries to like steal all these personality traits from her friends to assemble some kind of quilt yeah. for herself. Yeah. And yeah, I, I found that so relatable. Yeah. I also really like the question, and that's kind of why I picked the book. But Macon, I know you. I yeah, I think didn't. I think actually kind of for the reasons that um, Gio's laying out from the story, uh, this notion of like how should a person be? It's not that that's not the question she's asking. She's asking um, how should Sheila be? And she's also asking. I mean, she says how should a person be, but it's more like what should a person do? Yeah, because what. She means by being is she's taking all these stuff from what people are doing yeah, and not yeah. so much being. But yeah, 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 yeah. But also like this whole notion, she's like, it seems that she's she's kind of doing the same sort of fallacy that I think a lot of male authors do of trying to universalize from her own experience in a very sort of reductive way. I think this, like, how should a person be? No, the question is how, you know, how is how is Margot doing it so much better than Sheila thinks, but then she doesn't know what it is to be Margot. How is Misha um, being so Misha, but she doesn't know how it is to be Misha. It's the, it's. But is she universalizing yeah. to herself or to the reader? Because I didn't get the impression that she was doing it to the reader. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she's not doing it to the reader, but I think she doesn't even know the reader's there, really. Mm. That's the curious thing about the, the narrator is it's almost like a diary. It is very diary-like. Yeah. Especially the tone, the style of writing. Yeah, yeah. Because it has this sort of lost quality of like working things out through the writing itself and then it gets somewhere, and which is quite nice. Um, I think yeah. the the word should is like, I really like it. I really like the question because I think like, I mean, doesn't everybody kind of ask themselves that in a certain way? I mean, you can like change the question to be slightly mm. different, but I think it's like the essence of the question that you can't even really escape it because even if you think there's not a way for a person to be, that's like a way to mm. be as well. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, that's really well put. And uh, I think that's also the maybe what could be a problem with the mm. book, but also why it works is that it's like trying to figure out this question, which is obviously kind of supposedly impossible, mm. but then it also has to be possible because a person is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the words in the question I have the, mo have the least problem with are how and be. Um, <laughs> should, I think, 
I think like who's who's who is this third party that is intervening in that relationship of you know who enforces that rule, which as you say yes, but yeah, it, no one it, necessarily it, does is a way, is a way to be. But then there's always been that it's the Lacanian big other the whole time, just telling you how you should be behaving, and then this whole a person. I feel like it's it's as if she's presenting this theory of a person, which I don't really or trying to or non theory of a person that she's going through. That's actually a question I have about her, like, approach. Because she's talking about a lot of things, a lot of different things that are, like, parallel, like art and, like, personality, vanity, like, freedom. Like, mm. really big words. Yeah. And she actually doesn't speak in a way that I think is necessarily, like, pretentious at all, even though she's maybe trying to grapple with, like, these kind of things. I don't know. It doesn't always come across like super genuine, maybe. But but I also think there's a lot of satire in it. I don't think it's mm. all this sincere, no. uh, real quest as mm. much as yeah. it's a bunch of questions. But mm -hmm. I think she's also being funny and mm -hmm. annoying on purpose. Yeah. I don't think she doesn't know what she's doing. <laughs> and um, I think it's on purpose when it seems sincere, but I, but it's so terrible. I think it's, I think it's ended up being on purpose. I think it's kind you of. I don't thing, think she intended I to think, do it on purpose. I think like certain things that get, have been done in the. I think, I think process wise, because it's so much based on things like transcriptions and notes and being put together like that, which I mean is fair enough. But I think sometimes it's it's kind of like the on purpose part is I'm going to show everybody my silly diary ideas because I know they're silly and I just kind of <laughs> had this thought, but now I'm going to recontextualize them as satirical and as funny, but. It, it's weird, that dynamic, I think, because there's like multiple layers of time on top of this text. Mm. I think reading it the first time, that's the same feeling I came away from it with, mm. thinking, oh, you've just like spent your 20s or 30s or whatever mm. um, rolling around and now, okay, let's turn it into a book. <laughs> um, but reading it again and again and, and reading some of the reviews, I, I noticed some other things about it that I think save it for me. I, it makes it more difficult for me to dismiss it. Um, I read in a review that she she was mostly inspired by um, the MTV show The Hills in writing it. <laughs> and as soon as I read that, it clicked for me. I was like, oh, my God, this is exactly like a reality show. Like, yeah. I hate all the characters. There's so much drama. <laughs> and it doesn't have any effect on me at all. I'm not in any way moved by this. But they take themselves very seriously and, like, nothing happens. But I think also it's kind of a weird inverse of that because when you have a reality show... It's so based on like, let's find these like huge personalities, mm. quote unquote, air quotes, because you can't see that, <laughs> sorry. Um, <laughs> personalities, and then you put them together and then you like create extreme situations because of these extreme personalities. Whereas I felt like when I was reading this, I don't know, I felt like, did you guys get a sense of any personalities, like people? I got a sense of Sheila and I thought she was terribly obnoxious. Mm. Like a character in a in a reality show. Yeah. Mm. Um, I I liked Margot a lot. I thought she was good. <laughs> I thought she was like I really liked Margot too. Yeah. But I felt like I was. It was like impossible not to idealize her in the way that she was presented. So that was a bit like frustrating that there was like. Mm. I don't know. Maybe this kind of thing that you yeah yeah maybe that's actually worth what I liked. I liked the relief of having someone presented as like. Not irritating. <laughs> <That's fair. laughs> and maybe that you know that tricked me into going like, oh, 
this must be how she is. But uh, Because now I've come back to what I wanted to say earlier. <laughs> and it was about this idea of a person. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's one of the more interesting, or there's actually, I think there's several interesting things about it. But um, this concept of identity, mm-hmm. I feel like she's very... Um, she goes back and forth and I feel like on a lot of things it's like contradicting itself constantly or changing its mind or whatever. And this concept of identity, I feel like is like that too. Cause she opens the book saying that there's that, you know, personality is a construct of the media. Mm. Um, in that first chapter, that's a bit different, I think from the rest of the book, the prologue, but yeah, yeah. Well, that would make it different. Yes. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. And kind of, that's one of the biggest statements in the beginning and you're kind of carrying that with you. And then once you get to the end of the book, she starts talking about like this individualism and like that a person is a single person and like you have an apple and not an orchard or I can't remember exactly how she phrased it. But, um, and that seemed very strange to me that there was this idea of like, Mm -hmm. what then what is a person then? Like mm. if a person is not a personality mm. and it's not, you know, I just couldn't grasp her idea of identity, yeah. basically. Yeah. I don't think she can either. I think she sort of, <laughs> yeah. she um, she contradicts herself a lot, mm. but I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a weakness. I don't think it's a problem. No, exactly. I think it's uh, it makes it more realistic. And I think one of the reasons I hated it the first time was that I could really relate to Sheila. <laughs> and, oh my God, I saw myself in Sheila. It's painful though. <laughs> it's really painful. And like you hate Sheila, but oh my God, you're in there. <laughs> yeah, Sheila is a very sort of contradictory character. She keeps talking about being the yeah. question. And you brought this up in the beginning that she she keeps asking about how to be. Yeah. And the things that she notices is, is what people do. Is what people do. And mm. she herself never does anything. She doesn't write a play. She doesn't make decisions. Yeah. Um, she does do some things. She mm. goes to New York. Uh, and in, in reaction to pissing off Margot accidentally. True. Yeah. Mostly she's a reaction to other people. Yeah, she but seems that, sort of like yeah. a leaf in the wind. Yeah. Mm. Maybe that's the point that like you are, like the being is actually doing and she's not doing. Yeah, that's, I think the thing is that she's got this kind of very old school, like, she is making them, she's not making the mistake, but she's looking to doing to answer the question about being. And then she's also kind of assuming those things are separate mm. whilst not like that. It's a weird fudge, which of course is like what you would do. But yeah, because, and then, and that's the frustrating thing when it gets to this sort of like theory section of the thing where she's asking, how should we be? How should we be? It's like, no, you know, the answer is do something. Yeah. <laughs> But also, I mean, when I was thinking about being as well, Mm. and she is talking about not necessarily always what people do. I mean, when she looks at Uri, for example, Mm. so she's like working at this salon for a bit and that's, she's happy there. Um, I guess she feels like she has a clear purpose and Mm. she um, can act accordingly. And with Uri, it feels like it's almost this like his way, his ideological way, like Mm. his approach to just being, I don't know, like it's more about like, you know, um, where's the meaning and how do you, I mean, she talks a lot about meaning. Mm. Yeah. And that's a whole other thing to unpack <laughs> as well. 
Um, so we're adding to this. We've got, we've got ontology and we've got epistemology and we've <laughs> a praxis about this as well. Because there seems to be an agreement, or actually there's not even an agreement on the issue of meaning either, no, if there's the meaningfulness or meaninglessness. But um, Maybe we should then, because now you said meaning and that... <laughs> To me, it was so annoying that this book was so dense, so saturated with meaning. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> maybe we should start by like talking out, talking about what we liked about the book. You what just, was good. Yeah, but now you really triggered me because I didn't think there was any meaning at all. I was like, why oh, is it no. so rapid? Everything was significant. Everything, everything, yeah, or, to her, but like to the character Sheila, but not to the reader. Yeah, but you felt this kind of like saturation in her attempts to interpret everything. Oh yeah, definitely. And that was what was annoying. And but it I, wasn't, I, I was able to sort of take the step back and say... I was just thirsty for Tao Lin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, so many questions. Okay. Yeah. You, you are, okay. No, I was just asking, um, maybe we could start out by like what we really liked about this book and yeah. then we could lynch it in the second part. <laughs> <laughs> because that would give it a clear structure. <laughs> Maybe we should also talk about something that actually happens in the book. A mm. little bit of a synopsis, maybe. Because right now we're just sort of... Yeah. yeah. What happens, though? There isn't much of a plot, but she does some things. Well, there are different, like... Ex there are different ways that she writes as well. Like, sometimes... Like, at one point, she just tells a story mm -hmm. about a grave digger. And then she also <laughs> accounts, like, that one chapter where... White boys go to Africa oh, yeah. is like feels very like I mean I guess the mm. whole thing is kind of episodic but it's chronological and it you know it reads like a story but some parts definitely don't at all mm. um, so I guess you have that and then you have the like religious kind of imagery she's working with yeah. with Moses and the Egyptians this is like at least yeah. I think in my mind I was picturing a couple different worlds yeah And like that's one world, and then you have the studio and her life with Margot in one world, and you have the hair salon. But I don't know. Maybe that doesn't clarify anything at all. <laughs> that was just like a random. But okay. So what did what did you like? I liked several parts of it. I liked the question. Oh no, I liked um, maybe it's in the prologue. The thing where she's like this passive person who just looks at people and wants to adopt what looks good on them mm. and make them those traits her own. I like that, uh, her way of thinking in the beginning um, and what I thought this person would be. Um, and I like that. It was funny because the first part, I think it's called Act One. It's mm. very much built like I love Dick. Yeah. Um, it sort of has the same structure and she ends up leaving her husband and it, yeah, I could feel Spoiler. where she was coming from. <laughs> that was in the intro. Um, no, but I love Dick. <laughs> That's also in the intro. <laughs> and then I like that it's a part, it's a book about female friendships that yeah. doesn't, yeah. where they don't talk about men. Mm -hmm. um, they talk about things that interest them. Uh, and those questions, you might find them really insignificant, but still yeah. it's not about yeah. how to look good in other, yeah, mm -hmm. it is in other <laughs> people's eyes. But um, yeah, it's not a, a book about two women talking about men. They're actually talking about what it's like to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And I thought that was interesting yeah. and how, how to um, make art. Yeah. Yeah, so, so that was what I liked. Awesome. <laughs> I also liked some things. <laughs> I liked the prologue the most and mm. um, interlude for fucking mm -hmm. the two of those I thought were funny and great um, I also like that it it contradicts itself in every way um, it talks she's very obsessed with her image and how she looks and how she appears but she's very worried about her soul and for someone who's very concerned about appearances she 
does make a very sort of ugly book that's very just really I wanted to throw it across the room. <laughs> and I have I, I have to read that intentionally. Like after reading it twice and a half, um, it, it does seem very intentional to me. Like I can't believe that she wouldn't have done that on purpose. But it's funny because you call it an ugly book and mm. I think she calls it an ugly book as well. Oh no, she calls herself ugly or like her personality oh, yeah. is mm. ugly and she sort of like contaminates things around her with her ugliness. Mm. But I never found this book to be ugly. I found it to be really like nice and pretty almost mm. because she's so concerned with this ugliness that it's not ugly anymore because she's so concerned like, about it and she's so... um Yes, you're so, like, tuned into it. She's putting a tablecloth over the stage. (laughs) Sorry about that. And she's so aware of it that, I mean, that's not really ugliness. That's extreme self-awareness. And um, that isn't what I would call ugly. (laughs) But I read that. I I considered it ugly in the light of the ugly painting competition. That The book starts and ends with an ugly painting competition. Mm. And Margot and Sholem, two of the characters, have to deliberately create an ugly painting. And they're not sure how to judge the winner. And they both have totally different approaches. Like Sholem just gets it over with and thinks of all the things he hates when people paint them. And I can't remember Margot's approach, but they end up... She straddles the canvas. (laughs) (laughs) No, she was going to do that. She does it in the end. She spends a day in bed reading (laughs) while he's crying and working. But in light of the ugly painting competition, um, after remembering that and I reread the book... It sort of made more sense to me. Like, I read this as if she'd tried to make a terrible book. And I was like, oh, shit, that's why I hate everything. Because she's tried to put together like, a really <laughs> awful book. Oh, okay, so that's oh. like her methodology yeah. of the, the painting becomes... That's what I. Yeah. That's mm. how I interpreted it. Mm-hmm. And that, I liked that, the yeah. ability to like, okay, I'm not going to... Because I haven't that, read any of her other stuff. So I don't know if she's like technically able to... Mm. But I'm assuming... I mean, they kept hiring her for writing plays. So, I mean, I don't know why they did that. But um, but, I, I, but then there's the central problematic of the ugly painting competition was that they were both such talented painters that they couldn't actually do ugliness. Like there was something there was something in their technique, the way they applied the paint, the subtlety with which they could actually do Not the only crap. Margot, oh, right? Yeah, Sorry. yeah. So I kind of, but I think that would, that's why the prettiness is still, I think, less like resides in the book because there's something because even like it's to the extent that it's ugly it's ugly in a kind of charming way yeah that's the thing yeah like it doesn't completely it's that it would be the same if you if you tried to have a, a beautiful painting competition mm. like there'd still be something about it yeah i'm sure where you'd be like oh that's disgusting so, um, <laughs> too many kittens <laughs> too many kittens <laughs> not enough kittens um but i read this and i i I considered it ugly, but there's definitely parts of it that I mm. love. And and overall, I'm a, I'm a fan of the book. But mm. th- in part, that's because it tries to be uncharming. <laughs> Charmingly. Charmingly. But I, I think the relationship between my ghost painting mm. and Sheila's book is really good. Uh, mm. But then it was, she's so uh, absorbed in this idea that she's really immoral compared to her friends mm-hmm. and she's just using them for her book and at one point her friend mm-hmm. Margot becomes really angry with her because you are just using me for your play and all this but and then but this is not immoral this book she's too aware all mm-hmm. the time she's so hyper aware mm-hmm. that it never it never really does that yeah um which is is fine as well yeah 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 it's not really a critique it's just <laughs> 
Yeah, it, I wanted it to be more messy and dirty and ugly. Yeah, it's a critique. I wanted, yeah, I mean, because I used like another sec a section I liked as well was the interlude for fucking, and the conversations between Margot and Sheila. Those the like the, the the core. If you have that, yeah, I think you could just get rid of the rest of it, and it would actually work really well. <laughs> like a series of conversations <laughs> with an interlude in the middle. Like, no, I love the emails. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. The listing was weird for me. I love that. Okay. I, I wish people emailed like that. <laughs> Same. I found that to be really helpful. I thought Margot emailed like that. And then I mm. saw that she wrote all the emails that way. And I was really disappointed. I was, I was like, oh, Margot seems really charming. Yeah. And she knows how to talk to people. Like <laughs> yeah. But I think that would probably have given it the messiness that I was after. And also Gia was out, Gia's after that. If it was just Margot and Sheila talking for a while in this kind of weird Socratic dialogue, mm. and then mm. just like with a few interludes for fucking and like confusing the entire thing, and so you have this, so you, you play up on the contradictions and the tensions of the thing of like it's not all about men, but that was kind of weird as well. I'm also kind of a libidinal creature, but then also I want to know about art and beauty and truth, and I want to know like that tension was great, and then there's all these kind of cute sections to tie those off, and that irritated I don't think me. they were cute though. I mean, I don't know. She would often do this thing where she like would summarize kind of almost at the end of a chapter oh, yeah like a statement like an ideological statement mm. in like it's kind of cute italics even <laughs> yeah but i don't think that was meant to be i thought that was if anything that those mm. sentences were the annoying ones because they were the ones where she was trying to like tie something together yeah, yeah. but that, that's what i think is cute is when you tie things <laughs> together into a little bow and you're like and that's what i think about that chapter yeah, but I feel like she was wrong each time she made that statement. She would be like, and that's, mm. now yeah, I know yeah. how to be. But then, I, but then I feel like I'm being led towards like, oh, Sheila, no. <laughs> <laughs> but but maybe this is like, <laughs> maybe this is why it's so difficult for me to say anything <clears throat> critical about it. Because everything that I hate about it, I can now excuse with, oh, but she meant to irritate me with that. She meant to do that horrible mm. thing. So she meant to do that cute thing that I find mm. awful. But it's not, it's not bad because she was unintended or intended. It's not bad or good because of its intentionality necessarily. Oh no, but I, I find if, if it's sort of setting out, this is mm. what I've set out to do, yeah. make something ugly yeah. and then succeeds at doing that. Well then that's, but then that's the thing. Is like I, I, I would challenge its attempt. It, I don't think it's achieved the premise because it has these cute sections where it's like leading you down to that like, oh, Sheila, what are you doing? Oh, no, you're so silly. Oh, no. But you're so confused. Oh, but what I'm saying yeah. is that I think those are part of the ugly part of the book. Oh, but I just thought, yeah, I disagree. <laughs> okay. <laughs> also, I mean, at one point I thought, okay, this is satire. Mm. And then I read the same article as you where she told um, the interviewer that she was really uh, inspired by the Hills. Mm. Uh, and then I was like, okay, this is satire. But then I don't think it succeeds as satire yeah. <laughs> because the definition of satire, right, isn't that showing like really simplified, but dumb people in power, mm. you sort of expose them mm. in order to more or less uh, overthrow them yeah, in yeah. some way. Yeah, yeah. Nah. Well, it's that kind of like, well, yeah, it's like the root where it's like something about the um, the surgeon like like skeeving the flesh off the thing. It's maybe like kind of that ripping away and like really exposing something that's sore and uncomfortable and doesn't do that. I don't yeah. think it's, I don't <laughs> think it's trying to be satire. I I don't know. But I think it's trying more, she's talks like at one point about people being naked or living naked. Mm. Uh. And like some people just do and you can't choose it. So the people yeah. who don't have a tendency to maybe look down upon the people who do because they don't understand that. And she's saying, you know, that like 
Mm. She doesn't explicitly say that she's one of these people, but presumably that's also what this book is yeah. trying to do. Yeah. It's trying to be naked yeah. and just include all of the little... I like those sections a lot. That that, when that, that that theme I thought was quite well done and it tied in very nicely and relatively subtly. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought it was an interesting and important point to make. And I think what frustrated me is like when you'd have those kinds of points and you'd have the points in the dialogues with Margot and you have the points in the interludes for interlude for fucking and they would actually be quite they would kind of position some of the other quandaries they would they would kind of show she's kind of gone past those other questions and it made me feel like the interlude was written later from a different point of view and mm. yeah. yeah I thought that was a huge yeah. strength like all the points the parts of the writing that I yeah. really found great um, seem to be written at a distance from the events that she's talking about mainly in the yeah. book and everything that she writes about that sort of happens to her right now seems unfiltered and unreflected upon um, mm. and seems immediate because of that mm. and sort of ew because yeah. I'm not close to it yeah. <laughs> you may be but I'm not <laughs> it's really dramatic and yeah and I think that point is really a strength of the book um, in some way I mean <clears throat> it makes it not as well written, but it's always more mm. interesting what people have to say while they're in it mm. than what she would have to say about that time in her life when she's 70. Mm. Um, but I thought the tension between the two was the good thing. I, I liked the mm. way that it switched tone. Yeah. I just, and I, and I liked some of the switches better than others. Like I thought they could switch tone to like go between certain, like again, instances of fucking into the Amargo um, and, and Sheila conversation. Great switch. Then into some narrative. Eh. sorry did i i think we've all the three of us have said what we liked have you said what you liked um no i will say what i liked (laughs) uh so okay i really liked this whole concept of her the way she's like looking at her life as an object right or as like a piece of art or whatever and uh, she's constantly looking at herself from the outside and you know when she's like they go and swim mm. in the pool and then she's like, oh, other people must have been so jealous of us having fun in the pool. <laughs> and Margot's like, what are you talking about? Like, we were the ones having, like, why were you thinking of what other people? And so there's like, obviously there's this constant question of her caring what other people, how other people see her. But it's not about like, you know, her being seen as amazing as much as it is that she can't see herself as being great unless she sees it through or she can't see herself unless she sees it through other people and um, this ties in I think like a lot in the book with I mean it's not necessarily a gendered question but I think it ties in a lot with gender and because I think she treats men and women very interestingly Mm. Um, and um, yeah I mean if you think about I was thinking about cat person at one point especially um, the short story in the New Yorker that came out like um, a couple months ago uh, where this young girl is having sex with a man that she doesn't want to be having sex with and she tries to like turn herself on by imagining how turned on he is and I think that was one of the aspects of that short story that made it really like relatable um, and I think that's one of the things that makes her relatable is that she's always kind of yeah, just seeing herself from the outside. And I wonder if it's something that women do more just because we are kind of attuned to or like almost trained for this to be looked atness. That's like, you know, I like feel at least in my life is something I'm like mm. trying to understand. Like, why do I always feel like I'm more being looked at than looking myself? 
And um, yeah, I thought that was a really relatable issue. Isn't that a John Berger quote? Men oh. look at yeah, so what, something and yeah. women look at men looking at them or something. Yeah, and that's the thing about like how um, men men looking at paintings and they, they like of a naked woman and then they paint her holding a mirror. So and they, they call it vanity. Oh, yeah, that's the yeah, one. They call yeah, it vanity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then it's about, yeah. Yeah. About, yeah, how men then don't have to examine what they're looking at because they don't have to look at themselves because they're looking at vanity, a concept, a yeah. universal. Mm. Yeah. And um, this, like, thing where she's talking about um, as well, um, where she goes and she, like, makes out with the ugly man in the yes, bar. yeah. Mm. And she says that, you know, that's the privilege. And she uses that word specifically, which I think is interesting. But that's the privilege of being a woman is that you get to decide, mm. is how she says it. And, um, you know, she's always talking about kind of freedom and the idea of either you have freedom to or freedom from and desire and confusing other people's desires for your own desires. And I think that all just ties in, like, messily, but it, in a way that makes sense that these things all relate to each other. Like, is it freedom to choose to make out with this guy? Or, you know, is it like you, are you like... Or are you doing it to spite in, the expectations? Yeah, like, mm. exactly. Yeah. Like, and whose desire is that then? And mm. what is the concept even of your own desire yeah. If yeah. it's constantly yeah. being affected by social but that was the, circumstances. That was also what was really frustrating for me because like, why is it either or? Like you it's are not, the, yeah. you are the experiencer of desire, but that's also like of course it's socially conditioned because like if you can express what is my desire, you're already entering into a language structure and a society and a whole world yeah. of understanding and meanings. It's just like Stop asking that question. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fair enough that she asks the question yeah. because, I mean, it shows that she has a certain awareness of um, issues mm. that she's having, like conflicts yeah. that she's having inside her. And also because her actions contradicts everything that she says. Like what you said about her relationships with men and women, um, she'll keep complaining about how how men will bother you if you go to a bar alone, but she'll always engage with the men who like <laughs> talk to her at a bar and <laughs> she'll spend several pages mm. talking to a random uh, sh store owner in New York mm. um, where she's sort of, where she's really sort of like, she's been engaging with this conversation and afterwards she complains that this man was trying to teach her something. And it was like, well, yeah, but you, kept, so you kept talking to him. You were asking questions. Yeah, exactly. So I'm asking questions. So she keeps, but she does that with a lot. And my yeah. point was basically just that she says these things and then she contradicts mm. herself in her actions. And I found that tension very interesting and, and helpful. But there was actually, I have a question to follow up specifically on that because she leaves that conversation and she's like, oh, he's just another man who wants to explain something to me. And then um, in the next chapter, she ends it also, I think, with mm. I'm just another man trying to explain something to me. Yeah. And I, did, I don't know if I necessarily understood that part, like that, that sentence or sentiment. I don't think I understood it either. As much as I can get from it, I think it's because it's the problematic of the question with this kind of a person universal thing. Like she's like... She, she's trying to explain to herself a set of categories that don't necessarily exist but have been decided upon by like the big philosophical quandaries and maybe it's again about that betweenness the the fact that contradiction isn't isn't just a contradiction it's it's a negotiation or complexity it's not 
yeah, so she's maybe criticizing the way she's been thinking, I think. Mm. Just a man. <laughs> Looking at a girl. <laughs> Trying to explain. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that is like super, like definitely one of the biggest strengths of it is that there's like, even though she's always talking in a way that seems like she thinks there are absolutes, I don't think that the book ever presents an actual absolute. And I don't know if that's that could be seen as a weakness or not, but um, like whenever there's a kind of dilemma, there's two sides to it. You know, mm. is she like in this position with these men? Is she powerful or not powerful? Is she experiencing like is mm. art meaningful or not meaningful? Like there's and even though she kind of likes to sum things up in like neat mm. little ideas. Mm. I don't think that, um, I mean, there's enough contradiction throughout that you never actually, I mean, I don't know. I don't think I have a single like question answered, yeah. which probably makes sense because there's a huge question mark on the cover <laughs> of this book. <laughs> so the question of the title, how should a person be? Uh, I really liked it because it didn't, it didn't seem to assume goodness. It didn't seem to assume that a person should be good. Um, and I like that sort of open-endedness that it didn't take it for granted. But Shivani, you brought up earlier that there's this question of morality throughout the book. Um, yeah, clearly, I think, well, maybe not clearly, but <laughs> <laughs> overselling myself. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and also like the ideology, ideology of the book, right? Because it's the question is how should a person be? And now we know that a person should clearly be um, <laughs> <laughs> according to Sheila Hedy. Um But yeah, the morality, I think she says that she's such a dark hole, right? Mm. And like she's, yeah, contaminating all these people and she's so dark and she's so ugly and there's just nothing about her that's ugly. But I guess that's, again, like the special snowflake syndrome that most of us have where we feel so dark and we feel so ugly, but really it's just like your thoughts are just like everyone so has them. Yeah, when I um, fuck up, it's a disaster. But when you fuck up, ah, it's chilled. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, kind of funny, actually. <laughs> so it's also about art, right? Because she's making like this um, it's unscrupulous art um, and but she just really isn't because she mm. keeps on second guessing herself and she keeps on having second thoughts and so it never becomes this like work of a villain which she clearly feels that she is mm. because she's so self-aware and she never lets go and one part I was really comparing it to why it has so much it's very much like Leaving the Atosha Station by Ben Lerner, which is a book that I love. Why do I like that book more? Why do I grant that book more uh, credit than this one? But the other one, Leaving the Atosha Station, is just better written. And that narrator just doesn't give a fuck. And that's why I love him. Yeah. And mm -hmm. that's why I really don't love this narrator. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would probably want to hang out with her in real life more than mm -hmm. Adam Gordon from yeah. Leaving the Atosa Station, but he still makes a better book than yeah. this narrator does. But you could argue for a sort of gendered, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Reading? Reason for that, because as a man, he, she even writes in the prologue, um, Nobody knows what a woman genius looks like. It could be me. Who knows? Um, but she mm. and she's always looking for backup <laughs> yeah. in everyone. She goes through the book of uh, important artists, <laughs> um, and she looks at all her friends for advice on how to be a good person, or not even a good person, a good artist person. 
um, a nice looking person. And, you know, maybe that could be because she's she's a woman and she's concerned about her image and how yeah. people look. And it's, and it's very relatable, all of it. Um, but. And I, I was about to say it's not very interesting, but that's not right, because I think it is interesting. I just think, and now I'm like unfairly holding it against leaving the Atocha station. Those, I mean, they're not competing, but... Um, <laughs> right, the Atocha station's winning. It's <laughs> <laughs> yes, leaving faster. <laughs> it is, because that narrator is allowed to be an asshole. Um, mm, yeah. But she's not. Yeah. And I mean, that might be the gender yeah. thing. Yeah, um, I think so. That he's a guy and he's allowed to be this totally self-absorbed uh, asshole, really. Um, yeah. And she's totally self-absorbed as well, but she's oh revolved around trying to be a, a right person, trying to be mm. a good person, which he isn't. So he's just more interesting reading about than she is. Because her mm. quarrels, I'm, again, it's readable, but I'm, that's not what I'm here for. Yeah. No, but... Um, I was thinking about uh, art as well, again, and how she kind of, she's constantly conflating because I think you just said, you know, she wants to be a good, you said a good person or she wants to be a good artist or like what is she actually trying to be quote unquote good at if she's trying to be good at something. I mean, she doesn't have the word good in her question, but I guess it's implied in a mm -hmm. sense. Um, it's just another word that doesn't really mean anything. Um, uh, in that context. <laughs> exactly. But again, I think that's the point too. Um, but that's, I think, another thing like, you know, Margot, for example, if she is supposedly, or not supposedly, but she's, I think, ideal is the wrong word, but she seems to approach life in a way that is... Um, desirable that you would want to approach life from that she has this freedom supposedly and from the like oppressive thoughts and self-criticism that the narrator has um, but then yeah I'm just I'm wondering if like I don't know what I'm wondering anymore but I'm just wondering if it's um, if it's about art or in the way that it's um that it is for Margot, for example, when she says that I don't care about painting, I care about meaning. Mm. And mm. so in that sense, there's what I mean about this conflation of art and life is that the, it, they seem to be so in, like exchangeable. Like mm. you could put either one in the same sentence, if that makes any sense. It seems to me like Margot and Sheila are getting at the same issue, but from different directions. So Margot is trying to make art to come at meaning and Sheila is trying to come at meaning or how to be in order to make art mm. yeah. is the reading I'm going with. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, yeah. yeah. That, <laughs> but, I, and I think they both have problems yeah. in their approaches, but. I don't think Margot's has got that much of a problem. But I think even Margot like, admits, no, or changes. Problems with person, but I think the approach is just way more successful. Oh yeah, way more. Yeah. But we also just like her because we don't know that she questions herself constantly. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And also she does but evidently because she like towards the end, you know, how mm. she's talking about she doesn't like to have her voice separate from yeah, her body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and at the end of the book, she says, you know, now that's she's cool with that. I think also like her, you know, understandable but sort of neurotic relation like reaction to the buying when uh, Sheila buys the same dress as her. And then also uh, the whole thing about the recording and also the way that she... You know, it just has that kind of strange sort of distant thing with all the people she has to work with. Like there's, you can see 
cracks in the whole Margot. But you like all of those things about her. Well, yeah, sometimes, but also like, you know, just sometimes you've got to just get on with it. Because <laughs> like when she's rolling her eyes at the rich people at the art yeah, fair, you're yeah. like, yeah. And when she's <laughs> mad at Sheila for buying the same dress, you're like, yeah. 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 And when yeah. she's mad about her betraying her trust, no. I didn't get the dress part. Oh, I super got it. I got really? it. Yeah. Not that, you know, in I the really literal did. sense, yeah, but not, in the... Not in like, yeah, I would never have the guts to actually like say something to a person, but I would, I would definitely feel that like, okay, there was a boundary. Yeah, I got her thing about boundaries. I think that made sense. But the example with the dress... So Sheila buys the same dress as Margot and Margot freaks out because we need boundaries in our relationship. Mm. Boundaries mm. are what makes you able to love yeah. a person. Mm. Yeah. But really, a dress, is that a that boundary? Would, that, that, but that felt like the like the, the, the last bag on the donkey. Yeah, yeah. and also yeah. because you're seeing it from Sheila's perspective. Like she describes it in a throwaway sentence like, oh, and then we bought this dress and then this email comes. And Sheila mm-hmm. obviously hasn't noticed that this is a problem. But Margot might have been thinking about it and Sheila just didn't. See. I mean, there is like a feeling that they are having conversations that you don't see as well, because there will mm. be reference to points where like Margot is like, God, can't you just answer this question already? And <laughs> most of the time she's been asking it in her head, like mm. when you're reading it. So clearly they're having like mm. other kinds of, yeah, yeah, their relationship is bigger outside. I thought that was really interesting, like the, the, the way that, again, that Sheila admires Margot for having this thing of um, trying to go like she's not interested in pain she's interested in meaning and then she's gonna like and that's what's really nice about that is that she objectifies meaning and makes it so it's a debatable field that she wants to play with mm. and that's really interesting mm. whereas Sheila's like meaning is so in everything all the time <laughs> and that's just deeply frustrating but I also think that don't I don't know if I feel like she has maybe more of a Like I have in my notes here, it's like a little diagram to try to understand because she has these concepts like beauty Mm. and then art and genius. Mm. And these are things that she seems to imbue with like meaning Mm. just kind of um, between the lines or just in the introduction. And then you have Margot, who she says she's never heard Margot say that she finds any meaning in painting, Mm. but she hopes there is some kind of meaning Mm. and therefore she paints. Mm. And then they go to an art fair and Margot is reminded by all of the kind of um, superficial um, or I don't know if they are super. I don't know if she's right in the judgments, but I guess they go there and they kind of judge the rich people who collect art and they have so much art that they can't keep it all up at the same time. They have it on rotation and Mm. that triggers Margot to just be like happy that she was there. to witness the fact that there is no meaning in it. And so, yeah, I don't know. I just, I think I feel like um, even Margot is kind of like self-contradictory in that sense. And I think there's always like, there's like two different sets of, like two different definitions of meaning at play in that. Like, I think that a lot of the time that you're looking to imbue something with meaning and intention and, and a way of like saying something about the world or your experience in it or how a person should be um and then there's this notion that the object just like holds on to it and it's like i yeah i think it's it, it's more it's more fluid and more about motion than it is about the static thing and i think that's the annoying thing is like oh shit then it just goes in the basement because that's where the meaning was but yeah. but yeah i mean that's what i'm wondering about margot's perspective is like she doesn't seem to think that painting has meaning mm as maybe an object mm. but maybe painting as an exercise has meaning yeah or i'm or not sure is, painting is like entering into people who can 
talk about and think about painting has meaning. Painting as a practice that you do and you discover things has meaning, but painting as... Yeah, doing versus being. Doing versus being, yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> Back to the central problem with this work. <laughs> yeah. So grabbing onto the central problem of this work, Macon, I was really mm. surprised that you didn't like this because yeah. I... When I first read it, I thought you'd like it because you and I tend to differ very much in our opinions mm. on the books that we read. Uh, I thought this book was very similar to Richard Yates by Tao Lin and to Saturn Island by Tom McCarthy. And you brought up Leaving a Torture Station by Win Lerner. And I was wondering why why don't you like this book, Macon? Um, because it's... I don't... It's not like I don't like it. I just... I'm really unaffected by it. <laughs> <laughs> but like, is it... If that's part of what it set out to do, then and it say, has succeeded at that, is that not enough? But then, well done it. A, well done it. Yeah. That's like, but what can I do with that? Yeah. <laughs> but the other books try to do that too. Um, no, because I think Taolin tries to like show me exactly what boredom is and exactly what feeling detached is. Um, and I have I admire that one more than I like it. I admire its technique and I admire what it was trying to do. Similarly, I admire the kind of like weird games that I find in Tom McCarthy than I, more than I like it. Like I don't enjoy it so much as I think, that's, that's a good arrangement of ideas about oil. Um, good. And then, yeah, Ben Lerner is some kind of genius. And I think more to Gio's point from earlier that, you know, he's allowed to be an asshole. And this question, which is definitely fair to ask and definitely one that is, this question of like, I don't know what a female artist looks like, that, that part of the question. It's fair to ask, but the thing is, like, there's also lots of references around. <laughs> and, and I find it's like, it's simultaneously like valid and disingenuous at the same time. Like, and that's that, that's the frustrating thing is that, so like when you read like uh, Leaning Toshi Station, he's not, he's not living up to his idea of being Lorca or whatever. Um, whereas this is usually like, oh, I just don't know who to refer to. Who is a great artist? Margot, tell me who a great female artist is. You are. Tell me more about them. It's just like, uh, yeah. I think I had the exact, so maybe we're mm. still doing this opposite thing because I had the exact, um, I didn't, I do admire what she's doing and also I don't like it, but I didn't with the others. Like I saw what they were doing and I was like, I don't really, that's fine. Um, so yeah, no, I, I see what, okay. basically what I'm saying is I see what you yeah. mean. So we found actually, we found the midpoint between us. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's a gendered thing. Maybe yeah. it's a gendered thing. <laughs> One is written by, well, I don't know because. But, then, but it's so weird across the books though, because like the most similar one would be Tao Lin. Or you two can have a body like mine. But then that's even weirder then. I don't know. Because because like I I really like that I really I didn't like it. <clears throat> I think that when you say that Tao Lin is showing you what boredom is, and um, Tom McCarthy is showing you what an oil spill can look like, and Ben Lerner is showing, I mean, closest thing to come to this book, or the easiest uh, answer to that is that it's showing you what it's like to be a woman in her late twenties. It's mm. like who wants to be an artist. And that's just so uninteresting. That's the thing. <laughs> I mean, I think that that is genuine enough because mm. it is showing something mm. that's very relatable mm. to many people, but mm. it's, it's just so... But isn't like Kathy Ako also doing that? No, that's not in the... In, in a way, yes, I guess she is, but like she I, doesn't... Like I, I, I really don't want to essentialize that category of like a woman who wants to be an artist in her late 20s. No, I was just book. saying like late, late 20s no, yeah, would be mine. Um, yeah, but Kathy Ako maybe does it, but... Now Sheila Hetty is doing it too, and I think that's I like yeah. that there are more voices. 
I could get on board with that. Yeah. Yeah, I think if it's showing you something, it is, I think she is really, um, I don't know if she's trying to be or if she just is, but she, I think she is trying or being a naked person. And that is the goal, maybe, that like you can experience or you can experience and either relate to or not relate to, but like this, the basically the process of her anxiety and like self-criticism and self-awareness. And the idea she says when she says that some people, you know, live nakedly because they have to be, they have to be examples of what people are um, so that we can understand the world. And I think that's maybe what this does in a way. Yeah. But then, What I had wanted it to do, as because it's literature, it's not therapy. I wanted it to do something new, show something new, uncover something more, or do something about language, um, put it in a new mm. light, something yeah, about yeah. that. Depends on how much you've read, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I want to like, yeah, I don't want to insist upon that sort of high art viewpoint either, though. Like... I think there is validity identification. I think that I, I don't want it to be like doing some like modernist language techniques or like some sort of imbued poetry. I just, I want it to be less cute. And I think we agree about that. Yeah, yeah but that's yeah. also what I mean. I yeah. don't need it for it to be Kathy Acker or no. like bend the language completely. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so we, well, we just, we want a, maybe a little bit of a better book. Yeah. To do well, this, I would like to. That's what I would, I'd, I'd like to read like all of these same anxieties, but like from a better writer. <laughs> I think like, I like the questions that made me ask, and I didn't enjoy reading it. I liked the mm. thing it was talking about. Yeah, mm. that is how I feel about Tom McCarthy. That's how I feel about this book. That's okay. also how I feel about this book. I think yeah. it's it has great validity, and mm. I think the premise mm. is really interesting. Yeah, uh, and the execution of it is. So so, but it's very like <laughs> yeah. it's very readable. I think like once you, cause I, I like yeah. you just it you kind of flow with it. Yeah. I mean, But even you if read it in like one day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I read it twice by the time I finished it for the second time today. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I made it through twice, and um, it's yeah, it's very just like consumable. And I wasn't mm. thinking about it in terms of like in a kind of yeah maybe more art way of like how is this actually. Because I think it's pretty simple in that sense. Sheila, in this book, talks about Judaism quite a lot. And um, Moses, especially, leaving, leading the slaves out of Egypt. Making you like that. <laughs> How I'm come? Not, not the slave section, per se. But the Judaism thing. The Judaism in general, I thought... I, th I just think it's... Um, It lends it lends itself to some really fascinating interpretations of things because it's also getting into like really nitty gritty kind of like old and obscure bits of Judaism and which I think in some ways again I don't know it I guess there's that maybe that's the should part of the question then isn't it it's that whole morality thing of like getting yourself back to this how to make the world whole again in relationship to God and how a person should be in relation to that position which is the problem with the should because that's always going to be a normative statement answering that question because that's a very goldsmith statement i don't think it always is but <laughs> no, no, it is because like because like there's an authority in informing the should but i think i think it's implied that it's more like a guideline 
because then it's if the you should <laughs> not follow guidelines, then that's a should too. Yeah. Yeah, but then you're then you're following the rule of that other thing. So yeah. it's not, I'm not saying one should or should not. I'm just saying that there's other questions than should question. I yes, think, I think it's a fair question because people yeah. have been asking it since the beginning of yeah. Judaism yeah, yeah, or yeah. before. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she yeah. she takes a very old question and, and sort of displays. But it. I would like the contemporary question of what the hell am I doing? I think that's the question. She's yeah. Asked. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I and so. I think that would be a when bit. she. <laughs> I mean, that, maybe that's the interesting tension of the book is that this should imperative versus the doing um, actuality of, of of trying to enact a should. Also, when she. Um, I think the point for me is that when she decides that she's going to leave her husband, that is not presented as a decision she makes on her own. Like she describes mm. it as mm. she needs this to happen now. Mm. She wakes up and this is what she needs to do. It's but then after mm. that, she realizes any choice I make now, if I decide to stay away from him or I decide to get back with him, mm. none of them matter. Like she does away with fate. And I'm wondering if this is... This is a book about free will and mm. and religion and should mm. and should not and and also like when the there's the, the, that tension when she is a, she breaks up with the boy with that boyfriend the husband and um and then as you say yeah the question of like should I go stay away should I, should I it's then defined by this central point which is like this so there's a, there's a completeness and incompleteness which is like a relational thing. Is it? I thought it was more like an example to explain that now I am free. I can do this. I can do that. It mm. doesn't matter. I saw it as I've the chosen. opposite, actually, of free. Well, she maybe experiences it as the opposite of freedom. The, like, ma- making of choices. And, like, I wrote, as my note, I wrote, destiny is an excuse for a passivity? Question. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was my reason. <laughs> Um, and basically just her trying to escape that loophole or, yeah. He is conspicuously underdrawn though as a character, isn't he? But so is she, because we don't know anything about her background. All of a sudden she's in an art history class. And the only thing we know about her going to some sort of school is clown school. Oh yeah. And yet we don't know any, we know that her parents are divorced. We know that she's Jewish. We don't Mm. know anything else about her. Didn't you go to Howard? Wasn't it something about... No, Misha did. I don't know if she did. Oh, he did. Yeah. Okay. She, I mean, but we we kind of, but we we can infer a lot about. We can her. infer a lot of things, but she never. And I think that's kind of drawn, like that's like the 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 the, the stuff, you know, that she's intending to tell us that we can infer from what she's doing. That's drawing her essentially, but the husband is like, there was this guy, you know, yeah, and then one morning I just kind of left, and that was it. And it's like, but also, and also, it's kind of significant, but I'm not going to say why. I love that part where she sees him again after <laughs> yeah. six months and they have this exchange and it kind of like, I can't remember now what their question was, but they have a really like profound exchange in the end over this cigarette and the intermission mm. where they're talking about truth, I think. Yeah. And they're both talking about why, uh, I can't remember, but something oh, is about- it Why do we turn ourselves into tragic figures or something? Yeah. It's something yeah. about why you, yeah, turn your life maybe into a story, um, this kind of thing. And uh, one of them says, um, because maybe because we'd kill ourselves otherwise. And the other one is like, maybe because the truth is so diffuse. So I can't remember what the initial question was. Mm. But, um, but she speaks of him so tenderly mm. when she sees him again. Yeah. Um, but we don't know why. Yeah, and that's also what I like about it because it's not this thing of like, um, 
clear cut at all about how she feels about that decision anymore. Mm. Um, it's not like she's like, oh my God, like, should I have divorced him or should I? It's not these kind of superficial. It's more like you observe her mm. seeing this thing yeah. that she. Like he's not the center of her world. The novel doesn't mm. revolve around whether she should get back to mm. together with him or not. No, right. That's he's not the there. question. Yeah, that's not the question. He's there and she cares for him, but it's more important that she sorts out her. Yeah. And it's also like, it goes back to that. <laughs> um, the Gestures thing. don't travel well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> goes back to that thing where she is talking to her um, therapist and her therapist is telling her, uh, or analyst rather, uh, is telling her <laughs> that she, um, it's not about, you know, the decisions that you make. It's about the fact that you can't make decisions that is like mm -hmm. going to leave you with a life that you can't um, look, you know, back on. That's not a human life or a human experience. Um, and I feel like that moment kind of, yeah, it kind of, encapsulates that in a way because it's not about whether or not she chose to divorce him or not um it's not yeah it's more she's almost like accepting in that stage i think yeah um that she made a decision and that was better than not making one <laughs> <laughs> but not necessarily the better decision because it seems like she still has affection for him and um yeah He seems like a nice guy, basically. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Yeah. That's also the thing. is like, because he's underdrawn, we just infer he seems like a nice guy. <laughs> like, we, we don't get anything like, you know, he, like, the only thing we get is like, he was a bit, a bit flirty at parties with other people, but that wasn't really a big thing. And then like... That's also the point though, because the divorce wasn't about him. It was about yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is then curious because, of course, she's so concerned about how people look at her, but we have no idea what the subject is that's looking at her as the object. Mm. Apart from Israel. We know But exactly it's herself. What he wants. <laughs> it's herself internalizing mm. other people looking at her, and then therefore mm. looking at herself like that. Do you, do you want to have a final word on Israel? Also, <laughs> he's called Israel. Yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> he might actually be called Israel. I thought all these names were made up. Turns out, no. <laughs> <laughs> Penetrator Israel. Penetrator. What we call him. <laughs> With a <dumb> Penetrator Chris. Oh. <laughs> uh. Yeah, what about Israel? Does anyone have anything? Who's my favorite character? <laughs> he, he is he is curious. I, I yeah, it's a curious like force to add into the book. I what I liked about Israel is that she <laughs> she uses him. Okay. No, this is really delightful yeah. for me because I want I hated this book the first time I read it and I wanted to keep hating it and like all my comments are like Christ Almighty or <laughs> or something. Um but I I can't not see its merits. Um, and this, she's so unself-aware most of the time, but mm. then when it comes to Israel, yeah. she is self-aware and then she yeah. just goes for it. Yeah. At one point she, <laughs> yeah. she, um, in, I think interlude for fucking, yeah. I think she says, uh, I will wash, I'll break these dishes or I just stood there washing the dishes and breaking them on my wrists and hands like the long suffering wife of a great poet, which you are not, um, Now you want to go from me into the happy solitude of your maleness with your need of no comfort from any woman. Um, and that sort of, she knows that he doesn't care about her, but she's getting gratification from him and that's fine with her. And then towards she, the end, like she knows something that will humiliate Israel and she goes and lies like next to his dick. 
and like cuddles up to it. I love that part. And she humiliates mm-hmm. herself and thereby humiliates humiliates mm. him. And she's like, this is what I need to do because I need you to not like me. Mm. So I am free to do whatever I want. I need you to not look at me with desire. Mm. And I like that she sort of uses Israel as a way to sort of free herself from his gaze. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Mm. And it ties back to this, yeah, thing of desire and like then deciding that this other person's desire is not always aligned with your own. Mm. Even if you can maybe like appropriate it or try to see yeah. through it. I mean, there's a lot of talk in the book about empathy as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Margot's kind of sense that she has this overwhelming empathy. And the I think it's really interesting how it kind of ties together like empathy and shame. Yes. She keeps saying, I need to rid myself of empathy and I need to rid myself of shame. If mm. only I could. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, I really liked that that idea of putting those two things together. Yeah, because it's not something that I myself maybe been able to put into words that way. At least I don't know. When I read it, I thought it was very like acute. Um, this thing that you know Margot feels like she should have become a politician instead, and wakes up feeling burdened by the world and is a painter and how she like you know reconciliate that that was such a cliche such a cliche and <laughs> but we are yeah, but like, the whole book was sorry. oh and there's a chapter called what is empathy and what is mm. destiny and then she ties her own life to Moses and the Israelites in the desert and the <laughs> walk for 40 years and there was so much I liked about this book but ugh I did like the kind of like the really nicely cynical part of the the walk of forty years though of like no, none of the slaves could uh, could could be in the in the promised land. I liked that. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. because they you don't know how to handle freedom. Yeah, you don't know how, how to handle it. And I thought it was like nicely callous reading of that. Oh, that's really it. depressing. I thought no, I thought but I thought that was that was like that, and then the stuff with Israel. I think it was like I think it was more complicated than than just like uh, her appropriating. Because I think appropriating his desire, like to like to be used, it was more like she was liking the kind of annihilation of self, mm. which is way more like Bataille, and that was when it was really interesting to me that whole section because it was like she was going to this whole thing of realizing, oh shit, desire is more complicated than just what I want, mm. and and that and that she has this breakthrough like really like in you know the first third of the book. And then she just yeah. ponders that same question for the rest of the book. I felt the same way. Yeah, and it's like it's like oh yeah, it's not just about me wanting goodness. It's like me wanting to almost have that responsibility taken away from me at times, and then sometimes wanting it back, and maybe in that between space. And it's like yes, you're onto something here, and like the annihilation of the self could be a desirable thing in some way. But isn't and that isn't that realistic? Yeah, like, but isn't that like how you experience things? Like yeah. you have an idea, and then you're like, oh, this makes sense, and then you go do something else, and then you come back to this idea, sort of like, oh, yeah. this this makes sense, and yeah. I've seen yeah. the world clearly, yeah. and then you go live your life. I did also think how yeah, definitely a return visit to Israel could not really work. It became very clear, like, oh yeah, it's, it doesn't really play well the second evening, does it? <laughs> but I, I agree completely with what you said about all the cringy moments, and I. I read it like that the first time and then the second time I kind of feel like I can't read it again because now I'm reading it all in the in the light of this being intentional and ugly mm-hmm. and this is supposed to be ugly so of course this is why I don't like it and that both saves it and also makes me question it because is that just a cop out like yeah. I'm going to write an ugly novel but wouldn't it but, be uglier though <laughs> yeah I that's the thing and ugly. I mean intentional or not it's not ugly enough then yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah. It's like the way that, like in I Hate the Internet, when he keeps saying it's a bad novel, he makes it structurally quite bad as a novel. Yeah, and when you say that the novel is sort of ugly and therefore like Margot's painting, right? I'm thinking it's more like Sholem's painting, where he takes what he hates from his students mm. and sort of like mechanically draws it into this, like he mm-hmm. it's yellow mm. and purple and something like this, um, more rehearsed. Mm-hmm. I would say that... I didn't have this idea before you said it, but I would say that the novel then is more like his painting. Mm. I think of it a bit like that too, because I think like, um, I don't know if it's intentional or not. I mean, I have no idea, but I think she purposefully uses really big words that like freedom and genius and beauty and destiny and empathy. Yeah, because she can't (laughs) be serious. Like she can't. And whether or not it's, I don't think it's a satire because of that. But I think that, you know, you have to put like things into words and these are the words that we have, but they also, I think she's aware. I think she's aware. I think she's definitely aware. But that, I mean, also doesn't really matter. It also more matters. I I mean. I think she's aware and I think she, there's, there's not quite the craft. <laughs> I think she's. I think she knows what's expected of her, like craft-wise. I think she knows that she has to live up to because she only mentions like male geniuses, um, and I think she knows she's expected to live up to this standard. And this is what men want to talk about, and not to like make it all about gender. But I, I think she makes a decision to be like, I'm not going to aim for that. I'm going to try this thing instead, and not like not necessarily try to be good by this standard. And not necessarily try to be the opposite of that, but just like, I'm going to see what happens. And I think it, it like it makes sense, mm-hmm. too, because she talks about, I mean, if you go back to Margot talking about not caring about painting and caring about meaning, you could say the same about, I mean, she was meant to write a play. Yeah. And, and now it's a book. So she clearly doesn't really give a shit about how you write novels. Necessi- I mean, clearly. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> Obviously. Um, but I feel like she... I'd, I feel like, you know, th- at least the way it's laid out to be is you're meant to understand it was, I mean, she's written it in acts as well. And there's this weird little intermission. So there's like this kind of structural nod to this. But other than that, I feel like it's more like this happens to be a novel. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Because it, it also so much it looks like a screenplay. So it could easily be like a Miranda July thing. <laughs> like it could be. Yeah. I feel yeah. like that's also what it. Mm. Apparently the besties IRL. I think I actually saw that picture on Google. Really? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because I mean, yeah, if you're going to talk about the actual craft of the book, mm. it becomes a bit, and maybe it's a cop out, but it, the book is about how like, I don't know, this is actually a question I have too, about why Margot is such a better painter. That was one of the worst things she wrote in the whole book to me was when she like interjected Margot, who was the better painter, had spent all day on her. Yeah, because why is Margot such a good artist? I mean, that's not answered. Maybe it's not answerable. Maybe she just means it in a banal way, like technically. That's what I mean, though. Like, does she, but she, but Margot doesn't care about technique, but then also they comment on how her hand. She doesn't care about talking about technique, but. I think she, it's because it's we've, we're seeing it from Sheila's point of view yeah. and Sheila yeah. fucking adores Margot. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> but, it, I mean, it does feel a bit like, okay, so then, uh, you know, if good art is meaningful art, then is meaningful art beautiful? And what is 
beautiful mean and is beautiful yeah, technical or is it not technical or to what extent is it and these kind of things. But even when we talk about meaning, Margot says when they have the, the white men go to Africa section, <laughs> even Margot says um, even activism is very involved with righteousness. Mm -hmm. So meaning... Yeah. Capital M. Yeah, yeah. Like isn't necessarily yeah. I think she's like I think she's really interested in meaning as an object <laughs> yeah. Yeah. itself. Like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> which is which which is which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, cool. I like that quote from that chapter as well, where she Margot is like, they they come at life from the outside and have to wear their curiosity, pity, and guilt. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's yeah. I mean, part of also what this whole thing is about too. Being versus performing versus performing as being. <laughs> <laughs> versus doing versus performing as doing. Yeah, and they're all like, there's no answer to the question between about the difference between those things, I think. But um, I actually just remember that there is a part where I think Margot explain, like has her own revelation about what she thinks good art is, maybe. Well, I can't remember the context now, but I have a note where she's talking about um, realizing that it might be more about, she says, like, to do good work, to have potential and to progress as a collective. I think she's talking about the scholarship that you can get, this grant. Oh, the yeah. No, the, the no. MacArthur. Yeah. Yes, this grant and the idea that the grant is not given to someone who is, like, accomplished, but is given to someone who shows potential. Um Yeah, and she seems very like, I mean, that's a pretty clear statement from her side about mm. what actually is maybe the meaning or value or I don't know, big words again. <laughs> it's difficult. It's like when you keep saying a word over and over and suddenly you don't know what the word means. <laughs> It's just a sound. <laughs> like all podcasting. All podcasts. <laughs> We all look very confused, so I think we should end. <laughs> <laughs> It yeah. is confusing. Yeah. Um, Giovanna, would you recommend this book? I don't think I would. And not because it's so bad, but, but thematically, there are books that just do it better that I would recommend first. Mm. Um, Eva, would you? <laughs> um, yeah. I, yeah, I think I would. Maybe to sp specific people. I don't know. Um, I don't. I think it was worth reading, and I'm glad that I read it. And I think that I got something out of it. And that's all I kind of expect. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Making. I'm not sad that I read it. <laughs> um, like, I think I'm on a similar kind of note to Geo. I think, with the caveat that if I was in a pinch, I'd recommend it. Like, if I couldn't find the other things to hand, which were worth recommending in that category, because I think thematically, yeah, it's it's. It's just a little bit undercooked. I think I would recommend it just because I feel like everyone else, like Ben Lerner has a head start. Like he's not had to grapple with, am I allowed to not be good? Am I not allowed to not look nice? Yeah. We don't know that. No, we don't. But like. But also Chris Krause is doing it so much better. Oh, mm -hmm. buddy. And that was <laughs> who I was thinking several about. Several yeah. voices. I, yeah, like, no. I like the prolification. Yeah. I, I would too. <laughs> <laughs> But in the in the way that like the other people you mentioned seem so much more like capital G genius to me than she does, mm. not in a criticism way, and I like that. I like that too, and I think I would recommend it. Hmm. If you want to read a book not by a genius, 
If you want to re- read a book by a person, <laughs> maybe that would be nice. <laughs> you want to feel. If you want to feel... read a book by someone who's not trying to be a genius. <laughs> no, she's trying. I think she's trying not to be. Oh no! I think she knows what a genius oh, is. Oh no! We're gonna open okay. up a whole another can of worms. That's exactly where we differ. Like, okay. I don't think. Yeah. Okay. I. I okay. Oh. Should I talk about the next month? Yeah, and what are we going to read in May, Macon? April. In a- I, April. Uh, well, in May, <laughs> we're going to read Paul in the form of a... Really Paul takes the form of a model girl is on for May. Yeah. <laughs> April, um, I, I have this this little pet project right now, where, which means that I'd like everyone to read Inherent Advice by Thomas Pynchon. That's your pet project. Well, no, I've got another project, but it involves people reading this. Oh, okay. And I will be one of those people. And I'm going to inflict it on everybody just to save me time. And I think it looks, I think it's really good. Um, the, the film was good, and I, I like Pinch and being strange. And this one is apparently less complicated than this other stuff, which is a relief. <laughs> also, you get to imagine Joaquin Phoenix as yeah. you're reading the book. Yes. Yeah. And I do Sexy that. bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Say what everyone's thinking.